Well, praise the Lord. Welcome to the broadcast here on a cold Friday morning in the piney woods of Northeast Texas here in my office. I'm Pastor Curtis Hutchinson here with Cross Time with Pastor Curtis. And we're studying the great letter from Paul to Timothy. Second Timothy will be in chapter 3 today. So I encourage you to grab your Bibles, get ready to prayerfully and with a hungry heart follow along with us that God will give us uh, a greater love for His words of righteousness today, a greater love for His plan that we're a part of, a greater, a greater desire to serve Him all the days of our lives from this day forward. And uh, again, this is the 12th day of February, 2021. The 12th day of February, I always reflect back. 41 years ago on this day, I left this region and got on a Greyhound bus and uh, went to Little Rock, Arkansas and flew to San Diego, California, where I entered into the Marine Corps and served our great nation of America for three years active duty and three years in active duty and, and uh, just learned so much. I often reflect back on my military time, uh, even though so long ago and all the things I learned uh, in the military about myself and just about other things and other people and uh, that has helped me even see the, the life of a soldier, a Christian soldier, when I look at the Word of God. And I always tell this one story of uh, one of the two years in a row that they sent our helicopter squadron, which that's what I was a part of in logistics in a helicopter squadron. They sent us to Norway two years in a row in the wintertime. And uh, those... Uh, training days were like six, eight months before the trip ever uh, took place, the deployment ever took place, and those soldiers who were the infantrymen who would have to be out in the ice living for 12 days, uh, some of those just really didn't pay attention when they were being trained and, and they thought they could handle it and, I, and you know, I'm from where, wherever and it gets cold and all these pre-thoughts they had, well, it was, it was it, it, to no avail every single day they were flying young Marines back out to the ship uh, with frostbite where many of them were losing toes and fingers, not even in a time of war, but just training, all because they didn't pay attention. They, they didn't sit in and, and take the training as what it was. And that's what I consider every Bible study ought to be, every worship service. Yes, we worship, we praise God, we fellowship with each other, but we better leave a Bible study. We better leave the worship service with a greater equipping for the work of the ministry. We better leave having been trained uh, in the way that we should go. And I believe the Lord desires to do that. He, he's able to do that when He uh, is able to guide you and plant you in a local church where the way is being preached, the way of righteousness, which is the way of the cross of Jesus Christ. And so when we, when we come to the table, we really have nothing to bring other than a, a broken heart and a willing mind. And God brings the rest to the table and he puts on the table that which is needed for baby Christians. He, he brings milk to the table for those who are growing in experience. Then he brings the meat for that growth to the table. But it's always the same thing. It's always the truth 
of the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who were on the milk, the sincere milk of the Word, Peter wrote, by which we grow as babies toward maturing, toward partaker, being, becoming partakers of meat uh, so that we can become more experiential in the great salvation we've been given. And make no mistake about it, to whom is given much, much is required. And my goodness, heaven gave us everything. When we were given Christ, we, we received everything. Everything comes with Christ. So therefore, everything of God's people is required of God's people. So let us learn, let us grow, let us move forward in this great race of victory that's been set before us. Never let us come to the table, let, never let us come to a Bible study uh, having uh, that which we, 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 we with pre-intentions and pre-thought, let us come with hungry hearts, broken hearts, knowing we need to be found growing in the knowledge and the grace and increase of knowledge and increase of grace all of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I know that the Lord is going to offer you some of the nutrition that you need today in this Bible study. Praise God. This is part 6 of 2 Timothy chapter 3. For those of you who are using this for uh, teaching uh, avenues and, and we're just so grateful to be sharing with you this, this, these last few scriptures, Bible verses in chapter 3. And I want to read uh, really our, our, our initial verse where we're going to begin today to dig in is verse 14. But when Paul writes to Timothy and says, but you continue but you continue, then you have to look back and see the comparison, what, what's contrary there, because he says, but you, Timothy. So the verse before that says, but evil men and seducers, talking about these last days that are ever so perilous and growing more so by multiplied leaps and bounds, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse deceiving and being deceived. Now, let's understand, Paul writes this letter, of course, at the leading and the unction of the Holy Spirit, reaching for Timothy. Paul is near the end of his life. He's in a prison ministry. He's near the end of his ministry. He's not writing letters begging for his life. He's not writing letters saying, well, I'm a Roman. Don't I have all these? He's not writing letters in any of that. His focus is the course God has placed him on just as the course is ours to minister, to be ministers of the saints of God, to the saints of God, to, 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 to care about those that God is saving and has saved to see that they stay the course. We've stayed the course up until now. Our desire is to see that all stay the course. 
But this great message of Christ and Him crucified, when it comes on the scene, it's, it's what the enemy will... He, listen, all the other false doctrine, the reason it has the most money in the biggest buildings is because the enemy is not attacking that. He's fueling all that. Everything other than Christ and Him crucified, He fuels, He, he pays for, He supports it because it's not that which crushed His head. It's nothing unless it's pointing to Christ and Him crucified, there can be no growth. There can be no victory. There can be no uh, maturity. There can be nothing of the Holy Spirit. So the devil, he, he, he's not... Listen, he's, he's controlling all that anyway because the flesh is never just the flesh. The flesh is all about being self-transformed and that's the ministry of Satan, self-transformation. He transforms himself as an angel of light, an angel of knowledge, and his ministers. His ministers transform themselves as ministers of righteousness, but they are not. But what they present, the knowledge they present, is a, they've transformed themselves, therefore what they present is self-transforming. That's all a denial of God. No matter the tears, no matter the, the, the prayers, no matter the what, Anything other than faith in Christ and Him crucified, even things that we add to that, put us in a place of denial. And when we deny Him, 2 Timothy 2, 12, He denies us. He loves us. His plan remains the same for us. But when we deny Him, He denies us. Faith in anything other than the sacrifice of Christ is a denial from our heart to God toward God. And that's just Bible. I know the church in the last days don't want to hear it. The last days began when Christ showed up to carry out His ministry on this earth. That's when the last days began. And if Paul wrote to Timothy and said that evil men and seducers shall wax, grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived, where are we today some 1900 years later? I'll tell you exactly where we are. We're at the place where the door is about to close in that time period Jesus called in the book of Luke the times of the Gentiles. It's about to close, my friend. The door is about to close. Any moment now, not just any day, one day coming, at any moment the door is about to close. The rapture is about to take place, which is the same thing as that first resurrection. It's about to take place. I hope you would get excited about this because you are about ready to leave this old earth. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. But Paul writes to Timothy again at the end of his ministry, here near the very end of his life from a prison cell. And Paul's not... Let me say this again today because we got so many Christians who've been carried off justifiably so in their own flesh into focus of all these other things instead of pressing ahead in a love for the righteousness of God to be filled with His righteousness, to be the expression of His righteousness. We've, we've got all the church just about carried off into all these things that have nothing to do with our freedom and liberty in Christ. That freedom and liberty must be guarded at all cost. And you know 
when that's your concern, that's your focus, and that's what you're walking in, then all of the world and its mountains of troubles will become smaller, not larger, to bring fear into your life. Either Christ is being exalted or the mountains of problems in this world are being exalted. One of the two. And when Christ is being exalted through faith in that labor of perfect love He carried out for us at Calvary, glory to God, fear is not finding a place in our hearts any longer. It's being cast out. And I know the Christian, the typical Christian today says, I hear your preacher, but. I hear your preacher, but. And it's those buts that allow the mountains to stay there. Just loud voices declared from the mountains of this world. I'm talking about the world systems and its governments and its governmental ways, even though uh, uh, no matter what it is, the voices are loud that try to snuff out this peace and assurance that we have in the Holy Spirit through exclusive faith in the work of Christ at Calvary. Hallelujah. Listen, and, and I know it's typical for a Christian to hear and say, I know that was a good message, preacher, but I, I know I should be, but I know I shouldn't be, but I, I know we could be, but I, you know, I hear what you're saying and I know it's right, preacher, but you know, that's where the church is. But Paul uses that too. He says, evil men and seducers shall wax worse, get worse and worse and worse. And they're going to be deceiving like never before because they're being deceived like never before. This deception is growing rampant. And that's an understatement. It's in 90% or higher of the pulpits in the world of God's people among the church where the Bibles are opened and the message of the cross is not proclaimed. And they even speak bold words such as we don't have to talk about the cross all the time. We, we don't have to point to that all the time. We don't have to say those words all the time. I don't want to be found like the world glorying in my shame. God forbids. Let me say that again. God forbids that we glory in anything but the cross of Jesus Christ by which we were crucified unto the world and the world unto us. There's a separation that took place there that you need to be aware of, that you were involved in as a Christian. You are separated from this world and its ways. You're still in it with a great purpose to declare your separation from it through faith in your Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. But when we get all entangled in it, Jesus said you're not going to be able to be a good soldier if you're entangled in the affairs of this world entangled, all tangled up in it. And I know, preacher, but, care, you know, not going to be ugly. I'm just going to say I'm praying for everybody who the Lord is bringing back to the cross because the, the, the focus is becoming determined to know nothing other than that. The Apostle Paul was our example. He's in prison at the end of his life, at the end of his ministry. He tells Timothy, look back at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, where he tells Timothy, This you know, that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me. 
I want you to know, at the end of his life, at the end of his ministry, he's writing Timothy because the Holy Spirit is reaching for Timothy because almost everybody else had turned away from Paul. The very one the Lord gave the revelation of the cross of Jesus Christ. What actually happened in the death of Jesus. Oh my goodness, he gave it to Paul and all have turned away from Paul. Almost everyone. The same thing has happened throughout the ages when God would raise men up with this great truth of sanctification and how the message of the cross, the power of the cross relates to our lives daily. It's snuffed out not long after. Men come on the scene and, and, and they begin to say things like we're hearing today that you don't have to say the cross. You, you don't have to always point to the cross. Is that message really needed all the time? We, we hear those things and, and those attitudes and those phrases bring a mixture, bring a deception, bring, bring doubt and unbelief to the table. And there will be no partaking of the things of God if our faith is not in the cross of Jesus Christ. There will not even be growth. And you might say, but pastor, what about all the years when this message is not being preached? What about all the Christians who were not hearing the word of God in the context of Calvary? Very little, if anything, is being done. Because if that's, this is not what our faith is in, then that means we're living again as though we're back under law. And God doesn't work under the old law. God doesn't work under the, the precept of us doing things. He works under the new law, which is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, Romans 8, 2, who made us free from the law of sin and death. It's a new priesthood. It's a new law. It's a new and living way. When we go back to thinking, well, if, if I'll just do these three things and God will deliver me, that's law. And Romans 7, 5 says it's the law, and that's any law. Me thinking I can do anything strengthens, stirs up, puts in motion the sin nature. Romans 7, 5. Think about that. But Paul says this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. But you continue in the things which you have learned and have been assured of, knowing of whom you have learned them. And Paul's telling Timothy, that thing which you've learned, those things which you've learned, continue in those things. He didn't say, go look for the new things. Continue, he says, in the things which you've learned. The things which you've learned. Now this is written by a man who's given the authority to write this as scripture by the Holy Spirit, not just to Timothy, but to you and me. And Timothy was told by the Lord through Paul to continue in the things he learned. Amen. And let me say something about learning because it's so prominent, it's so popular in the church to think we have to hear something new every time we get together. And that's okay as long as what we're hearing new is just a newer and a brighter light of the light that shined into our heart at first being the revelation, the illumination of God's Word in the light of the living Word, the man Jesus Christ who said, I am the light of the world and what He did at Calvary to become that light to us. Any light we're calling light outside of the light of Christ and what He did at Calvary is not light, but it's that light that Satan has transformed himself into an angel of 
light, an angel of knowledge that he brings. And that's where people are found ever learning but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth, which Satan will never offer truth. He'll never offer truth. Because truth delivers us from him. Truth teaches us of his schemes. Truth causes us to be a better equipped soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ, to know better the schemes of the enemy to be able to use our shield of faith more effective in this great battle by the way that is the Lord's and has already been won by Him. There's only one thing to continue in and that's what you began in. That's what allowed the Lord to move into your heart as a Christian and to begin a good work in you. And He will continue that work as long as your faith remains in that which allowed Him to move in and begin the good work in you. Forget what the, the deception, the men who are deceived and deceiving many today say God continues to work in you even without your faith being in the cross. But Paul comes along, writes to the church in Galatia and says Christ can't profit you. He can't affect you because you've fallen from grace. You've removed yourself from him. Come on now, we're talking about Christians here, not lost people among Christians. He's talking about Christians, saved, spirit-filled Christians on their way to heaven because they've started dabbling back in circumcision. They're believing these deceived men, these who are deceiving men, that if you don't get circumcised, and that's not the issue for most today, it's the purpose-driven life, the government of 12, it's the words you speak, it's uh, the, the walk of Emmaus, it's all these schemes of the enemy that, that's brought to the table as light of the Lord but it's only light of the enemy which Jesus says is really darkness that can only seem right to you but the end of it is death. That means separation because in these programs faith in these activities we have removed ourselves from him, Galatians 1.6. We've fallen from grace. I didn't say you were lost and not saved anymore, but you and I can fall from grace. Grace is what God is able to do. Grace is not floating around. Grace is the spirit of grace, the spirit of God, the comforter, the spirit of truth, the one who dwells in you. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit. And if we remove ourselves from faith in the cross, we've removed ourselves from Christ. The Bible teaches that. And he doesn't just keep working anyway. What he does at that point is now, he is, if we're going back and living thinking that we're doing this, we have to do something to be saved or we have to, we, we have to do these things and we're trusting in what we're doing. We are called to do many things, to do the will of God, to, to walk in the good works that are ordained for all of us, Ephesians 2.10, but we are God's workmanship. We are not just here to work. We are here for God to work in and through us. You see, that's what he restored us to, what was lost in the garden. Yes, Adam had dominion over all the earth and all its creatures as long as he remained under God's dominion. 
Never forget that. God didn't just turn it over to him and say, I'm out of the picture. No, he walked with Adam. Adam still had to trust in the word of the Lord. He was under God's dominion. You need to understand that. So God hadn't just turned everything over to us again and said, however y'all can figure it out, just whatever programs these men bring into the churches, yeah, they don't know. Christ is the answer for all things, that meaning what he did at the cross. So that's what Timothy began in, and that's what he is being encouraged to continue in. Watch this now. There's only one thing to continue in, and that is what you have learned and become sure of. Sure of. There's a lot of things we're not sure of, but the one thing we are sure of is that God loves us, sent His Son to die for us, we trusted in Him, and the Holy Spirit moved within our hearts made us new creatures in Christ. We bear witness with our spirit to that ministry of the Holy Spirit that we are the children of God. Hallelujah. More than likely, when Paul says to Timothy that you need to remember who you learned these things from, you, let's read verse 14, but continue. You continue, Timothy. Let me say it again. Paul's at the end of his life. He's at the end of his ministry. He's in a jail cell. And look at what his focus is. I always am reminded of the Lord, of, of, of Stephen being stoned, still declaring the vision he was seeing in heaven. He, he wasn't screaming for his life. He wasn't screaming, oh, wait a minute. Well, he was declaring the Lord Jesus Christ to the end. You and I have that same spirit, my friend. You and I have that same spirit, the spirit of the living God. You and I are called to be a witness unto God, to show ourselves approved unto God, to be a testimony to all that know us. Not to be known for our favorite football team, not to be known for our national duties, not to be known for anything other than our fruit-bearing of Jesus Christ and what He's done for us, who He is to us, and who He desires to be through us. Well, I know that's right, preacher, but... Don't get caught up in that lane. Don't get caught up in, in that those folks over standing on the side of the road watching everybody run the race past them. Leave the butts off. Except for the good butts that Paul gave us in the Word of God. But you continue in the things. Don't pay no attention to these folks who are deceived and deceiving many. Even some who've been used of God greatly. Don't listen to them if they're not pointing you to Jesus Christ. For there's no learning of the Word outside of having faith in the cross. So when I have Bible studies and I'm just teaching away at the Bible and teaching away at the Bible and, and it's doctrines and I'm not pointing you to Christ, how different am I than anybody else? Our mission that we've been given as Christians, the ministry for every Christian, is the ministry of reconciliation. God has committed His word of reconciliation to us and we have been reconciled by the blood. There it is in simple form right there. Every word in the Bible must be through the revelation, the illumination in our hearts of the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ and what he did at Calvary. 
You need to understand that. If every word of God is in righteousness, and I have to say these things to help the last day's army of God being raised up, the remnant that, that the Lord is bringing back to the way of righteousness, which is the way of the cross. I have to say these things under the leading of the Spirit. That all God's words are in righteousness. Now a lot won't say this because they're afraid they'll lose money. They're afraid they'll lose people. And believe me, God's going to put them to the test later. God's going to put them to the test later. It's coming. If all God's words are in righteousness, Proverbs chapter 8, verse 8, write it down. And when you go there and look that Bible verse up, don't just look at it. Get you a pencil or a pen and a piece of paper and write that scripture out and look at it again. All the words of God's mouth are in righteousness, Proverbs 8 and 8. In Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17 says that his righteousness is only revealed in the gospel. So every word God has spoken has to be seen, not just because I'm born again through the blood, but every word must be seen in its righteous context that can only be seen as I look through the blood at what God has written. Hallelujah. Never ever forget that. It'll help you be able to understand, many of you, that God has already told you to get up and get out of where you're going to church. But you didn't really understand what you were hearing. You didn't understand what you were hearing. Because 99.9 times out of, out of 100, the Lord's not going to say, get up and get out. He's going to show you truth so you can see that what you're hearing is not the Bible in its truth and its righteous context. And that is Him telling you, get up and be removed from there. Be plucked up from there and let me plant you in the house of the Lord where you can flourish in my courts. Psalms chapter 92. But you continue in the things which you have learned and have been assured of knowing of whom you've learned them. And, see, he, Paul says, and, because Paul has showed up in Timothy's life, and listen today, Paul showed up in Timothy's life, and the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul and the revelation that the Holy Spirit gave Paul concerning the cross as it relates to everyday power and everyday reception of grace and everyday uh, 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 freedom from the sin nature, Paul showed up in Timothy's life and introduced to him something that was new to Paul himself but was so new to Timothy it, sh it shed a whole new light on the Word of God. Think about the Apostle Paul when he was Saul. Very religious, very zealous for the things of God. Knew the Word of God. Probably could quote verse by verse most of the scriptures uh, from the Old Covenant, which is really all he had back in that day, Genesis to Malachi. And when Paul, when he was Saul, met the Lord Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus, all the scriptures that he had learned and that he knew by heart began to have a whole new, new light shining upon them and into his heart. Because he had seen the scriptures in one light 
the light that could bring salvation to a people, the light that had promised a Savior. But until he began to see the Scriptures in the light of the Savior. My goodness, think about that. Think about what the message of the cross, the message of Jesus Christ and what he came to do for us at Calvary has changed the way you see everything in the Word of God. Let me tell you something. This move of God that's taking place in these last days, being rejected by most, just as we see at the end of Paul's life, his ministry was not exploding because the message of the cross only explodes in the heart of the few who will come this way. It is least popular. It is most criticized. It is least funded financially. But it is most persecuted, bashed, names, the, 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 those people and what they preach, the, they think they're elite above everybody, better than everybody. All these things come hammering away to cause you to move away from this which you've learned, this which God has brought you to, this which you are have been assured of. Family members look down on you, but remember they only look down from the lofty position of pride and religion. And that you, th th there is not just one way. Yes, there is one way, not only to be saved, but one way in which God works in our lives and conforms us into the image of Christ. The church is never like that. Look at the end of Paul's life. He's in prison for his message. And I, I understand that most probably turned away from him because of his chains, him being locked up, him being that radical that I, I'm not going to settle it down, I'm not going to slow down, I'm not going to milk it down just because people are tired of being warned. I'm, I'm not going to uh, slow down any even if they lock me up in jail. See, when they came for Jesus to, to take him to judgment and later to crucify him, everybody kind of ran off. And when anyone, including you and me or whoever, becomes determined to know nothing other than Christ and Him crucified, the attacks are going to come. But the grace that comes with an endurance to keep fighting the good fight of faith, to not let go of this sound doctrine that came in through the Holy Spirit by way of the Apostle Paul, not just to Timothy, not just to the church there in Ephesus, but to you today, to me, to take these words literal for me today is life and endurance. Hallelujah. We need to think about this. Again, Paul meets Christ, comes to the conclusion that the Scriptures or about Him. He's the one. And the Scriptures took on a whole new light. And we need to get back, church, to the place where the Scriptures, the written Word, is literally giving us a picture of the living Word. Jesus, by the way, said the Scriptures are about Him. And I know most preachers say, well, not all. Yes, all the Scriptures. The, the written Word is about the living Word. The written Word has one purpose, and that's to reveal the living Word. Well, no, preacher, I know that's right, but there's that but again. But it's also about the church. But you won't know what it is about the church unless you see it in the light of Christ because the church is hidden with Him.
in God. Come on now. But you continue in the things which you've heard and have been assured of, knowing of whom you have learned them, and that from a child you have known the Holy Scriptures. You, you've known the Holy Scriptures since a child. That's a lot of people that I grew up with in Sunday school every week and programs and, and, and RAs and all sorts of programs, you know, learning Scripture, quoting Scripture, writing Scripture. We, we've known the Holy Scripture since we were children and they're able to make us wise unto salvation but only through faith which is in Christ Jesus. The Scriptures can't do anything for me if my faith is not in, not was, when I got saved, is in Christ Jesus. That means what he did at Calvary. That means what he did at Calvary. If my faith is in Christ, that means my faith is in his death because that, according to the New Covenant, Romans chapter 6 verse 3 and 6 and Galatians chapter 2 verse 20, that's where I was immersed into Christ. Not at some altar in a church. That's when faith came. In God's mind, in God's view, in God's plan, I was immersed into Christ as He hang on the cross because just as we were in Adam when He sinned and brought damnation to the whole world, we are now delivered from the first Adam and bear witness in identification with where He represented us on the cross and there we were immersed into Christ because our faith was properly placed in Christ being in His death. So we need to understand that the scriptures are able to make us wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. That means his death. Hallelujah. Not just death in his person. Faith in his death. His work. Watch this now. And you have to, you have to remember when Saul, before he became the apostle Paul, received through the the, 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 the experience of meeting Christ on the road to Damascus changed everything for Paul about the Scriptures. Everything. And, but yet even after that, the apostle there was having to learn through experience to such as he wrote in Romans chapter 7 verse 9, I was alive once without the law. That means alive in Christ. Uh, but when the commandment came, when he looked back and tried to uh, think he could do this, and, and through the commandment he says, sin revived. That word is the noun there. The old man, the sin nature revived and I died. Come on now. That's, what, that's, that's why he could write to the church in Galatia and tell them, you've fallen from grace. That's why John the Revelator could write to the church in Sardis and say, you've got a name, church of Sardis, that you're alive, but you're dead. That means you're walking in a place now where grace can't function, fruit can't be bare. Oh, now we're, we've become professionals at claiming what we're bearing is the fruit of the Holy Spirit, but he only produces fruit through a faith he finds in the sacrifice of Christ and that's where the fruit is bare. Amen. That's the fruit of righteousness. It's unto holiness. That's why most people aren't seeing the Lord in these ministries. They're seeing men and that's it. Men's religion. Because without following after peace and holiness... God's Word, Hebrews 12, 14 says, No man shall see the Lord. So if the ministry is not about the cross, it, 
it can't be about righteousness and if it's not about righteousness it can't be about holiness and without holiness no man shall see the Lord. They'll see the people gathering. They'll see the people doing what they do. Even the lost world knows that which is fake. And they also know that which is real. You need uh, The lost world gets around a, a, a religious Christian who's bound under law and trying to put on some fake show of... And it is, has to be fake if it's not of the Holy Spirit. He's the only one that makes it real. <laughs> Glory to God. He's the only one that makes it real for us. Hallelujah. And without the fruit of righteousness that's unto holiness... It's not real. Oh, it's something really happening and there's something really being felt there and there's something really at work there, but it's not really the Holy Spirit. See, nobody can sit down with their Bibles at the table and say, Pastor, this is, this is why you're wrong. This is why you're not right. So all they can do is what the enemy has always done. Just bash the people. Bash the people. And we're here to present Christ through the Word of God. The Word of God. Jesus is the living Word of God. Hallelujah. So, he, so I, keep, I keep moving away from what I'm trying to express to you. The change that Saul, before he was Paul, had concerning the Scriptures... I believe that through the Apostle Paul, Timothy had the same change, just as you and I have. Many of us have been reading the Bible for years, have been even in ministerial positions and learned ministerial functions, how to take up an offering, how to do this, how to do that. But the ministry is that of reconciliation. And I confess for my own self, even if ministry... You can learn to do ministerial things around the church and the sacerdotal duties, marrying and burying and, and, and singing and, and leading in music and, 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 and teaching and, and preaching. But until you have this life-changing illumination about Christ and what He did at Calvary for your power and all grace and deliverance from the sin nature and everything, every day, then you're going to just be stuck in that place you've always been in all your life. I'm not being ugly. The Lord is reaching right now to those who want the, the reality of Scripture, and the reality of a true relationship with Christ that's not just based on tears and feelings, which we all have. Tears, feelings, and emotions, they're of God. Feelings and emotions, they're of God. But if that's what we are looking for, if that's what we're after, if, that's, if that is what we call the move of God with no result of maturity, then we're in trouble. So I believe Paul, the change he had from knowing Scripture one way and knowing Scripture in the light of Christ and who He came to be to us through what He did for us at Calvary, the same thing happened to, to Timothy. That from a child you've known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture, he tells Timothy here, is given by inspiration of God. That means God breathing. That means by His Spirit, God has given us all Scripture. 
Man didn't come about it by his own will. And it's profitable for doctrine. That means teaching. Teaching must come from Scripture. For reproof, reproof must come from Scripture. For correction, correction must come from Scripture. The Holy Spirit now, this is the way He functions. And if we're not being led by the Spirit, then we'll just be trying to correct folk without giving them the answer. The Holy Spirit never corrects, never brings correction, never brings chastisement without pointing us to that which is right. Hebrews teaches us that we're chastened for the sake of keeping us in the way of bearing the fruit of holiness, for, for partaking of His holiness. That's in the book of Hebrews chapter 12 teaches us that our fathers, earthly fathers, chastened us for their own benefit, correcting us, but that our heavenly Father chastens us for the sake of keeping us in the way of righteousness because only of righteousness can holiness come about. And, and the Bible there tells us in Hebrews chapter 12 that we're chastened for the sake of us continuing to partake of His holiness. If we cannot handle correction of the Lord, and many times, my friends, it comes through men, men in positions of pastoral positions, evangelists, prophets, apostles, teachers. Many times it's just the Lord dealing with us without going through others. But sometimes He goes through others and it really... I'll be the first to admit I don't like it and I bow up to God. I bow up to God just like you do and you have and we... I pray we never do again, but we don't like correction. And sometimes it takes us a while to get to the place where we admit, I needed to hear what I heard. I needed that correction because without it, I couldn't be walking in the place today in the way of His righteousness that's unto me partaking of His holiness so that others can see the Lord in me in a greater measure. For that is why we're here, is it not? Praise God. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, not men. And the Word of God, the Bible, God's not adding to it. Run from those that say revelation still comes from heaven through men that, that, that say, well, you won't find this written in the Word of God. You run from them. If God didn't complete all that we needed for redemption, that means redemption is not yet complete. You need to run from those people. You need to run from those people. I don't care how much Bible they can quote or how much they even tell you, Jesus is Lord. You need to run from them because that ain't our Jesus. That ain't our Jesus they're calling Lord. You need to run from them. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, reproof or correction, for instruction in righteousness. And that's the way we have to be going. So therefore it can only come through the Word of God, which God says in Proverbs chapter 8, verse 8, all the words of my mouth are in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. 
that the man of God may be perfect. Now, you and I know that as we live in this world, still in this flesh body, that all of our actions are not perfect. We still sin. Run from those that say they never sin. They're a liar and the truth is not in them is what the Bible says. And they've got to change all sorts of scriptures to go along with the satanic-influenced, man-built doctrines of men that they never sin. That's a lie. They're sinning right then because they're lying when they're telling you that. They're deceived and all they can do is deceive you. The Bible tells it literally like they are. They're liars and the truth is not in them. So we realize that we've not obtained, we, we've not reached that place where we're like Christ. And until we're like Christ, we still got an issue of the law of sin at work in our members. Now we're not dominated by it if we cling to that, what Jesus did for us at Calvary. Because under grace, under the operation of the Spirit of grace in your life, Romans 6.14 Sin shall not dominate you because you're not under the place where the sin nature dominates which is law, which is you doing, doing, doing to get victory. You doing something to get salvation. You doing something to grow. No, that's law and that's where the sin nature dominates but you and I are under the place where God's grace works in our lives. Make sure you don't fall from that place. Galatians 5, 1 through 4. Make sure you don't fall from that place. Galatians 5, 1 through 4. But you and I who trusting in the cross of Christ, then the Spirit of grace is at work in our lives. Hallelujah. And there is a perfect work taking place because the perfect Holy Spirit carries out the perfect work. And, and let's make no mistake about it. God is looking for a perfect work. In these earthen vessels, imperfect vessels, the work of the Holy Spirit who is God, who is perfect, carries out a perfect work. Now you can make a note here to look at the church of Sardis in Revelation chapter 3. I refer there all the time under the leading of the Holy Spirit because the church in Sardis is told you have a name that you're alive but you're dead. Let's go there and look at that this morning. So we just make sure we don't miss any part of that. He says in chapter 3 of Revelation verse 1 and to the messenger of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that has the seven spirits of God. That's Christ. And the seven stars. I, I know your works. And that you have a name that you're alive, that you live, but you're dead. Now the church today knows absolutely nothing about what, what, what that means. They really don't. There's a minute few, and I'm not some elitist attitude. I'm not. I pray that everybody would understand this. And this is not up for several different options. When a Christian is called dead, that means because they are alive in Christ, they're with Christ, hidden in God, seated at the right hand of the Father at this very moment in Christ. He's talking about their activities, their experience here. They're, they're living as though they're, again, dead under law where fruit can't be produced. Where there's life, the fruit of the Spirit is evident, manifest. Where there's death, 
among Christians, there's no fruit of the Spirit. And where there's no fruit of the Spirit, it means the object of their faith is wrong. It's wrong. Because it doesn't matter who you are, where you are, what language you speak, what you look like. It doesn't matter anything. But when you're, when you're trusting with the heart under the righteous work carried out by Christ in His death at Calvary, the Holy Spirit is going to move inside of you and He's going to begin to work. And as long as that is where the object of your faith remains, <coughs> He's going to be working in and through your life and it's going to be evident. It's going to be manifest by the fruit of the Spirit. Well, watch this now. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. There's, there's something they still have that the Lord says they need to strengthen that because even that is getting ready to die. And I believe that's, as most Christians are today, don't give, they, they don't quit saying, well, the cross is actually what saved me. Well, I, and that's what most Christians say today when we start talking about the cross. Well, I've always believed in the cross. No, you've always believed in the cross of Christ is what saved you initially, but is that what you're trusting today? If it's not, and you're trusting in what that preacher is telling you on TV, that if you'll do this, if you'll do that, if you'll send $1,000 to this, if you'll buy that little rock that come out of the River Jordan, if you'll do these things, if you'll get involved. No, no, that has nothing to do with Calvary. Calvary stands alone. There is no Christ and Him crucified and something else. That second and puts us in a place where we're dead. No fruit, fall from grace. Can't be profited by Christ or affected by Him. Galatians chapter 1 verse 6, Galatians 5, 1 through 4. It, 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 listen, this church had become dead. No fruit bearing. Watch now. For I have not found your works perfect before God. Now, I'm not getting into this whole teaching here, but I wanted you to see that, make a note of that, because God is looking for a perfect work. He knows that we're not perfect outside of our position in Christ. I've not obtained, I've not reached, but I'm reaching for, hallelujah. But He is looking and expecting to see a perfect work. What makes a work perfect? The Holy Spirit carrying it out. The Holy Spirit carrying it out through a people who are hearing properly. And if you again go back and look at that church written to there in Sardis, you'll see that they had fallen from the place where they were hearing and receiving properly of the Lord. And when the object of your faith is not the cross alone, your hearing can't be what it should be and your receiving can't be what it should be because the hearing place and the receiving place is the place of faith in Christ and Him crucified. Are you walking in that place today? Now, we didn't for years. And thank God for ministries that came along that brought this to the table. But only those who were broken looking for the real move of God according to the Word of God that they might be able to glorify God and be a testimony of God all the days of their life to all those that know them are going to come back to this way of righteousness. The rest, please, please do not forsake the way of righteousness which is the way of the cross. Peter wrote it would be better that you never knew it than to have known it and to forsake the holy commandment of God. Watch this now. The end of 2 Timothy chapter 3. 
All Scripture is so the, that the man of God may be perfect. That means the work found is perfect by God being carried out through his life by the perfect Word of God, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Mm. Let me share something with you here. If I could find it, James, uh, if I can find this, I, I know. Here it is, James chapter 1, and we got five minutes left, really four minutes left, so watch this now. James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. But you be doers of the word and not just hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer of the word, he is like a man beholding his natural face in a mirror. For he beholds himself, he sees himself, and he goes his way and quickly forgets what he saw in the mirror. But whoso looks into the perfect law of liberty, that's the word of God, the word of God in the context of what liberated you, Jesus and his cross. Hallelujah. His death at Calvary. But whoso looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Now watch this. Verse 22, the Holy Spirit tells us to be doers of the word. In verse 25, it's called when the word is in the context of liberty, which is in the context of Christ and what he did at Calvary, allows us to be not only doers of the word, but doers of the word is moved into the context of doers of the work. A doer of the work of God is a Christian whose faith is in Christ and Him crucified by looking and continuing in the Word of God as the perfect law of liberty. The law of liberty. The new law of liberty. The new law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus where we were made free. Hallelujah. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free. Where is that? Faith in the cross. Don't leave it, my friend. Don't leave it. Just as in Noah's day, there are very, very, very few preachers of righteousness on the earth today. Find one. Find one where there's no mixture. Find one where there's no allowance of mixture in that pulpit. And there allow the Lord at His choosing to plant you. For it pleases the Lord to plant us where He plants us. Because only where He plants us can we grow and flourish in His courts. Hallelujah. And be equipped for the work of the ministry by the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ, our faithful Lord. Hallelujah. It's been a great broadcast this morning. I, I pray that you are encouraged. I pray that you were maybe given a little more clear direction that God could pierce through the hazy places that, and bring the light of His great truth into our hearts. He has been good to us, faithful to us. And at any moment... This times of the Gentiles that we're in and had been for about 2,000 years is about to close. I want you ready and a part of the move of God that's preparing all 
for the coming of the Lord. Hallelujah. God bless you. I love you. I want to encourage you to pray for us and to sow into this ministry of good ground where God can bring a harvest in and through your life and the ministry He's given you. You can do that at thecrosswaychurch.com or you can text the word GIVE to the number 903-231-5950. God bless you and until next time, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. We'll see you then.